Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S O. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. That editorial perspective, editorial eye, is what crystallizes a moment and it's about dictating what that moment means. People are used to the notion that fashion magazines take a long time to do and there's a lead time and, you know, whatever. To have the essence of the protest already in the book feels to me like quite a feat of publishing. There are so many people doing great things out there that don't necessarily have the platform. And that's one of the reasons we did the manifesto, for example, is to give platforms to people that might not have a platform in the past. I wanted people who would read it and grab it, feel that they were in a space where they could be interested by so many different issues, but that kind of still relate to the common condition of uh, Black creatives in fashion. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF podcast. Ever since the coronavirus lockdowns put the fashion industry on hold, people have been asking a lot of questions about what fashion will look like when all of this is over. One area that's been particularly hard hit is fashion magazines. What is the role of a fashion magazine in the midst of a global pandemic? This week on BOF Live, our editor-at-large, Tim Blank, sat down with Ben Cobb, and Pierre M. Pelle of Love Magazine to discuss the creative process behind Love's latest two-volume issue. Not really a magazine, not a book, but something different altogether. Here's Tim Blanks with Ben Cobb and Pierre M. Pelle inside fashion. Hello, welcome to BOF Live. Uh, today we are talking to Ben Cobb and Pierre Emplay, who are co-editors of the astonishing new issue of Love magazine. 
um, I hesitate to even call it a magazine. It is volume one and volume two uh, of um, hard-covered, well, they're books, basically, uh, not a fashion magazine like you've ever seen it before. And they are a remarkable time capsule of this remarkable time. And so I'm really looking forward to talking to Ben and Pierre about how this came together. The obvious question is um, that this book, these books raised, because I'm not going to call them magazines, uh, what, what, is, what is the place of a fashion magazine in this particular moment? I, th I think the role of a fashion magazine right now is bringing its community together and drawing its network together to really move forward um, as, a, as a unified thing. I think it's about coming together with your community and all moving forward and not leaving anyone behind. I think that's the role today. Now, as, I, as I've um, worked my way through the hundreds of pages in, in these books, what, what strikes me is that the hierarchy that we're used to in fashion of editor, fashion editor, uh, creative director, whatever, doesn't seem to exist in these pages. I think that what we are looking at um, here is something, it's quite a new way of approaching putting together a magazine. Almost, I guess it's almost the way that people used to do things, you know, in, a, in say the height, the idealistic height of the 60s or something. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Pierre? <laughs> um, I have a million I questions, I'll start with that one. <laughs> Certainly, I feel like it, it was a great way to share without having to necessarily compromise because someone was above us um, or below us. So it was really a conversation between everyone. So that's why we called it the Love Collective because it was really about sharing um, ideas and sharing concepts and sharing a certain philosophy and bring that forward in making the issue. So when we completely remove the hierarchy i think it's uh it's sending out a good message about what people in fashion actually are and how they actually work which is a lot of people working together because they love fashion so but 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 kind of uh restricted in this situation by the fact that we you we everyone was in lockdown because of covid19 and you, Ben, you make it very clear in your editor's letter and co-editor Katie Grand um, also writes about this very, very, um, very, very uh, honestly that you were all ill with COVID-19 while you were making this magazine and, and, and ill, like seriously ill, not just a sort of, you know, not just a came and it went, you were ill and Pierre came into that situation as the new boy on the team, I mean, well, right kind away. Of, kind of to correct, I mean, Pierre's been working with Love longer than I, you know, I'm, I, I joined in January. Pierre's been, you know, contributing and part of the Love family for a lot longer. Um, but yeah, must have, I mean, I'm sure Pierre, you know, let's hear from Pierre, but I'm sure it was a very strange environment. Um, you know, a lot of, 
there were three senior members of love who were you know very very ill with covid um i think there was in some way i'm you know i, I don't wish that on anyone i'm glad we could go through that together i think it would have been very difficult um going through that process with people that really didn't understand what you were going through um so being able to share information you know literally every morning we would speak with each other how are you feeling how's today and because of the nature of of this virus everyone had very different symptoms everyone was operating in very different rhythms so when someone was not feeling good uh we we stepped up and filled in that role and, and all came together, you know, when I wasn't feeling well. Um, the same thing, it was a really, you know, going back to your earlier thing, this collective thing, it was logistically as well as um, philosophically, that was the way through this. And, you know, um, as well as coming together as a collective intelligence, which um, I think it was really, you know, it was all hands to the pump for everyone. Now, Pierre, did you feel uh, in, in your editor's letters, you all talk about how you had to t pick up the slack. Like you say, Ben, some days some people weren't capable of, you know, functioning. Yeah. Uh, Pierre, I know you've been at the magazine in, in, in one capacity, but to coming into it in this new capacity, did you feel it was almost like a kind of like a baptism of fire or something to be to be involved in this? Yeah, definitely. It was it was really strange um at first because i was thinking why are we even doing the magazine you know but then as you know time went on i realized that it was actually necessary for us to do that because that was what was keeping us together and if i was able to lift a bit of that burden of you know by sharing ideas and and just being there for everyone um as much as i could uh to me it was the the kind of like you said baptism of fire but it was also a way to help everyone keep on our mission which is like you know putting together a magazine that's more than a magazine now and then you know you came in pierre came in with so much and you know we were you know uh, we were exhausted and suffering from fatigue and you know we had moments where we were fine but then tired and pierre came with so much energy and focus that really you know that was a really great asset for us really helped and then on top of all of that, when when the fashion industry was already confronting this this moment of massive upheaval, we had May twenty fifth, where everything that happened in Minneapolis happened, and um, George Floyd. That that single event seared itself on on the world in in an equally unprecedented way. I, it's funny that there's sort of this synchronicity, this historic, that, that, that it's like COVID, COVID kind of uh, hoed the field and Black Lives Matter seeded it. That, that, the, the, that moment of change, you, you, nobody could have predicted, nobody what? could have predicted this confluence of, 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 of events. You know, so I think that. I think it will be really interesting. 
historically to look back and join the dots and really map that timeline. Um, those, those two moments are inextricably linked, definitely. Um, you know, I th I, but I, I have a feeling also that, that um, spirit and environment of, of change um, and uprising also kind of started the year before with climate change and really found that, you know, some incredible voices, young voices really coming forward and, um, and steering that conversation, obviously Greta at the front of that. But I feel like that moment was almost kind of galvanized some kind of spirit of change. And then, yeah, I think you can kind of join the dots. Obviously during COVID, everyone was forced into a very introspective, self-reflective uh, space where we all had to kind of look at how we live our lives, what our priorities are. So I think at that point we were all kind of re-evaluating a lot of things. Um, and this kind of idea of when this is over, you know, we want to, you know, to kind of change things. And then, yeah, like you say, um, with George Floyd, it, I feel like we, it was a perfect storm in a way. Everyone, there were no distractions. Everyone could see that, everyone was focused on that. And we're almost in the right frame of mind to really take that on and really move forward with that. I think, and I think what's remarkable is that people, you know, are used to the notion that fashion magazines take a long time to do and there's a lead time and, you know, whatever. You have incorporated um, the essence of Black Lives Matter in, in, these, in these books. Pierre, you've done a leaflet. I don't know, you call it a leaflet. It's, it's a lot more than a leaflet, but <laughs> um, this cover here, which is the cover of volume one, one of, one of the covers of volume one. Yeah, how many covers are there in volume one? Two. Two, yeah. Which is an incredible photo, which, talk about that in a, in a, in a, a moment, but to, to have the to have the essence of the protests already in the book feels to me like quite a feat of publishing. I mean, what did that actually take to turn things around, to to take on board all of that and incorporate it into a magazine that presumably was fairly kind of done at that point? I feel like it changed the course of, of action and everyone in the team was uh, very much aware that we had to address things now. Because um, when it comes to, you know, social issues, usually when something happens, we plan ahead and we try to see what we can do for the future. But the team was very reactive because it was a matter of let's speak now, let's take a, you know, a stance now and let's be clear about our intentions now. So that's why we incorporated all of that in the, in the books. And um, obviously, you know, members of the team have been to the protest. I was in protest here in Paris, and we were all very much involved uh, into the conversation. So it just made sense in a way to add it because, you know, we're, um, we're looking at, you know, very crazy times, strange time from March up until we're about to print. So if we hadn't added these 
Black Lives Matter and uh, and uh, systemic racism conversation into the magazine, it would have been too late, you know, for the next issue. So we yeah. have to do it now. Yeah. And, and you know, also and, we're a very, you know, we're a very small team. Um, this was a really condensed group of people working really intensively. And that meant we could, you know, um, we could react quickly and we could kind of turn things around and be, be a really, act, you know, really active in the middle of that. It's... But, you know, like Samar who did this, um, Samar who did the, this cover, this, this one here, um, Samar Kai Sundifu, how, Pierre, did you, did you know these people already? Were they people in your world? Because... Um... Not really, actually. Uh, and that's when I realized that I too have so much to learn about my own community um, because there are so many people doing great things out there that don't necessarily have the platform. And that's one of the, the reasons we did the manifesto, for example, the little leaflet, uh, we call it the manifesto, um, is to give platforms to people that might not have uh, a platform um, in the past. So I didn't really know uh, Samai's work and uh, Amelia who works with us found him on Instagram and that's how I mean they are, the most, they are just incredible incredible photographs they are incredible photographs iconic they are they totally I mean it really really takes me back to when I I used to protest vigorously against the Vietnam War and um you know those photos of Angela Davis and and the Black Panthers that they, they just have that same incredibly energizing quality and then and then on a totally different um level um indigo lewin's photographs you know the you you said you said um, i'm actually reading from my notes which is why i'm looking down um where you um pierre you talk about a, an artistic but educational perspective um in your editor's letter you talked about that and i really felt I was, I, I felt educated because there were all these people whose work I found enthralling, who were new names to me. And I thought that, that there was, there's such a value in, in, in this kind of these two volumes of new voices here, which is, I just feel if all of this really horrific stuff wasn't happening in the world, there wouldn't have been this opportunity. It's one of the sort of strange ironies of life that, you know, as, as I've said, in, you know, the Black Death produced the Renaissance, that, that, that these horrendous political and cultural and social and economic upheavals and epidemic upheavals produce this, this opportunity for change, I guess. Um, and, you know, that's what it seems to me you've, you've really really worked on here and it's just it's so, it feels so it feels quite authentic so i was very excited to see it all you know i think traditionally historically certainly within the way you know fashion magazines have worked it's very much like that kind of that editorial perspective editorial eye is what crystallizes a moment and um, it's about dictating what that moment means. And I think what's been really incredible and transformative about this is it's almost like that, that dynamic is completely reversed and the moment 
tells you what it needs to be. It's, mm -hmm. You know, you just need to be present and ready to, and open to that. But, you know, this was such an important moment where it told us what we needed to do in a way. You know, it was urgent. Well, you know, it, it, because it's something else that you said, Pierre, you said change is not an aesthetic, it's a mechanism. And that cuts to the core of the way fashion usually responds to things. Change is an aesthetic in fashion. You know, a skirt is short, a skirt is long, a, 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 it's black, it's red, whatever. So change is an aesthetic, but to see it actually working, you know, to see it like an, like an engine kind of um, reconceptualizing, re reconfiguring things that you're familiar with is, is quite unusual. I can't think of a, a part of, you know, a, a part of from when I'm talking about those photos that used to move me so much. And, and, and then, or even like a Japanese, like the Japanese group magazine Provoke, um, in the 60s, 50s, 50s, 60s, 70s, when that was a, that where all those photographers like Daido, Daido Moriyami and all those really iconic Japanese photographers were working in an incredibly activist sensibility to totally challenge and um, hopefully move the way people saw things forward. That's, that's what I'm reminded of when I, when I was looking at the thing. I wonder if, I wonder if you were conscious of how, of you know, making, a, making something that was radical, that was, that was um, you know, transgressive in a way. I think in that the way we were, but um, at the same time, it felt so natural. And in regard to change, we really wanted to not only give voice to people in front of the camera, but people behind the camera. And I feel like this is why I said it was a mechanism because it's about a group of people or, or separate entities coming together and working into um, making something new and something that's going to help drive change, hopefully. So, uh, yeah. Ben, what, what was did the I say? <laughs> there was one. Maybe Pierre can remember it. Um, I, um, something else that's, that, that I thought was kind of funny and, and well, kind of droll, everybody in their commentaries feeling guilty a little bit that, that lockdown had been such an enormous opportunity, that, that something that was supposed to be a kind of calamity for human beings had been a sort of inspiration for people to really examine why they do what they do and really question um, their motivations and so on. I wonder if it was the same for you. Um, like Pierre, when you were, you were, I'm talking to Ib. Um, it was interesting. Uh, it was the same thing that this, this feeling of community that being isolated, but at the same time having a stronger sense, because we talked to him a few weeks ago and having a stronger sense than ever of who he, who he can call on, you know, which is, uh, which I imagine is a wonderful feeling for um, young creative people that they really have the sense of who their friends are, you know, in a moment like this. Yeah, completely. I mean, I feel like I've never, um, spend that much time on the phone with my fellow creative people, creative friends like Abe Kamara, like Rashan. We found ourselves in a situation 
where we needed to share and we needed in order to continue and challenge ourselves because we were, you know, most of the time by ourselves at home, we needed to share. And so there was a lot more, you know, phone calls. And that's why I wrote actually this, uh, the first piece I wrote was about boredom and how boredom can uh, lead to something new and, and change and not only evil um, as a- mm -hmm. That was a very interesting piece. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's I think that's kind of what triggered me to um, reach out to the people I know and the people whom I care about deeply, and and I feel like this is what everyone in the team has been doing. Like Ben and I were actually just talking before this uh, live, and we're saying how we were a lot more on the phone with people with uh, the people in our lives, whether professional or personal. I assume. Well, I think you said all romantic, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> romantic and then you asked me if I'd been on the on the phone with people and I I um I thought that, that your uh, your essay on boredom was very interesting because were you bored I was at first I was oh, and I found out that it made me really angry because I felt disconnected from everything I didn't know what to do and uh, when I was on the phone, you know, with the, the rest of the team, I felt really um, challenged because I felt like I wasn't necessarily in the, you know, the, the most uh, sharp uh, mindset to find new ideas and to be, to be uh, efficient. But then I realized that it was that particular moment of being in lockdown and having nothing to do that actually increased that, that feeling. So I had to fight against myself in a way. It was really you know, I think you have to really, you know, during that moment lockdown, there's, you know, there's a lot of pressure to kind of keep working, keep coming up with ideas. And, you know, I think you have to be kind of gentle with yourself as well, be kind to yourself and mm -hmm. allow yourself that space and time to, you know, maybe not maybe not have any ideas and just, you know, just kind of let it be. Um. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person, too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. 
Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I think that's important. Well, I think that's one thing that that obviously is very clear in in the books is is that you gave, because this was a reflective time um, for for all the reasons we've spoken about, people were um, confronting their own, confronting themselves basically in the isolation of their, I, I guess I should have done more of that. Um, that, that I, uh, the, the books are full of people reflecting. There's people looking back over their work and pulling pictures that they took, photographers. I mean, I'm talking particularly, well, I'm talking about photographers here. They're, you know, people like Nick Woplington and, um, and Joel Myrowitz, you know, people from, people who are known, you know, as well, as much as the book, the books are an education and people that I haven't heard of and are looking forward to seeing a lot more from, there are all these people that I do know who are in Stephen Shaw, you know, reviewing it, contemplative moments. Um, I think what's so interesting um, is how much of it is about nature. And, you know, that's obviously one thing that's been very, very, um, a very talked about over the last few months is so much of what we're confronted with is, is a result of us being totally dislocated from nature mm. and to- stepping out of the kind of continuum of life and being 
these incredibly indulgent, this incredibly indulgent species. And, um, and then the first thing we want to do during this moment is, is connect with that very thing, connect with nature again. It's a, what, which is what you deal with. And, and also the other thing is how many, how many people in, in the books are actually naked? And how many of the photo shoots are, abs are, are naked people? And that, that in a fashion magazine, fashion magazine, the, the, the sense that something more important has asserted itself in our um, psyches, not how we clothe, clothe, not how we clothe us, our, ourselves, but how we expose ourselves or reveal ourselves mm -hmm. has become more important. Um, I mean, was that, was that why there are so many naked people in the magazine? Um, I remember very early on, there was a, a conversation about, you know, when we, we were kind of coming out of being ill and looking at just the logistics of what we can do to, to get this up and running and how we could navigate this new landscape. You know, there were half-joking conversations about, you know, do we just, is the whole is the whole thing about being naked and <laughs> um, naked in nature? Exactly, yeah. Mm. Um, no, I, th I think it's. I think the whole, the whole thing. You know, the the. I think it's just to do with reconnecting, isn't it, with the environment around you and yourself. And um, I think uh, you know the product of that is you know some people getting naked in the countryside, but I think. You know, it's a, that process of reevaluating and reconfiguring everything is a process of stripping everything back and starting yeah. again. Well, it's interesting you have Nan Golden in there, almost as a reminder of what. Well, she yeah, it was in, it was interesting. Um, she kept being when as we were interviewing photographers. Um, she kept coming up as a, you know, obviously as a reference point for so many, so many of the photographers. Uh, interestingly, particularly a lot of the, the younger talent. Um, and so it was great, it was great to kind of just have her in there just as a double page moment. Well, but I know because Indigo mentioned her um, exactly. as being a huge influence. And, yeah. and you, look at, you look at Indigo's photos and you see uh, you see the intimacy. You, I, I don't think in Indigo, in Indigo's pictures, you see the intimacy and you see the, the love. Um, you don't, the dependency of Nan's photos isn't quite as, <laughs> isn't quite as acute for, for obvious reasons. But then um, it's interesting, up here, the, the opposed to that, opposed to the vulnerability of naked people and, and the intimacy of that, there are these incredibly extravagant fashion shoots. It's like, you know, when we come out of, if, when, when, I should say when, I must say when, I can't say with, um, at the other end of this tunnel, people have been debating, is fashion going to be forever clothing? You know, is it gonna be cozy, reassuring, you know, everything that people have got used to, you know, um, or is it, is there going to be this appetite for extravagance and excess? And I think the magazine kind of, the, the books kind of deal with those, that duality quite effectively. There's 
a wonderful Tim Walker shoot um, with Ib Kamara's styling, um, which is, you know, the extravagance of, of I guess, of the fashion dream. You know, people talk about fashion being a dream. It's a cliche, isn't it? And, and, and that particular shoot, Really I think, you know, the real significance of that shoot was, was, you know, as I was saying earlier about the role of a fashion magazine right now is really bringing your community and your wider network, uh, bringing them in closer. And, you know, the, com the conversations were always about what can we do to help people? And, you know, that, that Tim and Ib shoot is about all the graduate designers who suddenly didn't, you know, didn't have a show, had been working for months, years, in some cases, on their final collection. And then suddenly the plug was pulled. And that was really, um, that was really about giving them a space and a platform to show their work, you know. And there was, you know, there was a moment where everyone was having to leave London. So we kind of opened up the, the love office for them to leave their collections there as like a fashion cupboard. And then as soon as restrictions allowed, that was, yeah, Tim and Ib kind of giving them this incredible fantasy moment. Well, that completely consolidates the time capsule idea of the whole of the project that this is six months this is a six an extraordinary six month moment not just in fashion but you know just right through every layer of society um i mean pierre the the manifesto um is obviously produced well i don't know i don't know if it's obviously produced um post may 25th um it, was it i mean how how did that come together I mean, I, I had the the idea for for a while um, to do something detachable, only because love is a you know it's a coffee table book, and I don't want to necessarily give it to someone. I want to keep it for myself if I'm going to buy it. So, um, and these two volumes are thick, so I I felt like there was a, an element of yeah, there was an element of uh, circulation, like something that you could easy, you know, chug into your bag and uh, and let it travel and and give it to. I mean, you know, of of course, after George Floyd, it became became a lot more about you know bringing new voices, uh, people of color, into um, into the picture. And you know, I I was saying to Katie when I was pitching it, and to Ben that you know I want someone to be able to take it out and give it to their racist aunt, or you know to you know just uh, if you are at an event, you can just put it out of your bag. It's it's easily um, it's yes, that was Rashan, and uh, and yeah, it's just kind of like an object that we wanted to to circulate a lot more than our, our tomes. Just, um, just to pick up from what Pierre was saying, I love that, you know, I love we have this really like heavy, hardbound document of this, of this time. And then, you know, within that, this kind of um, an immediate kind of object to communicate ideas. I love, I love those two things working together. I think that's really important. And also the voices, the voices in this, you know, it's Lewis Hamilton. That yeah. interview is amazing. It's such an incredible yeah. interview. 
and William talking about the meaning of black hair. It's like a, it's like a real, I, I mean, the, the, I guess when you say it's a manifesto, it's so broad, it covers, it covers so many different kind of notions that, um, Sorry to interrupt, but that's why I said it was kind of like the barbershop or the hair salon, you know. Um, if you are, you know, in, in black culture, it's a, it's a place, it's a safe place where you can talk about anything from politics to, you know, what was uh, on TV the, the previous night. And I feel like that's what I wanted this manifesto to feel like. I wanted people who would read it and grab it, um, feel that they were in a space where they could, you know, be interested by so many different issues but that kind of still relate to the common you know condition uh of uh, black creatives in fashion when when i was talking to id you know i think it's fascinating that 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 his his group of people is people like kelsey lou and um tyler mitchell and all these young people who are who just feel they feel like a wave you know, it was already happening. It was already happening that there was this group of people who were rising, you know, who with this idea that all boats rise with the tide, you know, it just felt so supportive. I found that really interesting that when you talk to one, you hear about what all the others are doing, you know, um, and that felt to me like a new energy at that point. And now, now it's almost like, do you feel there's a sort of critical mass that, 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 the platform is is consolidated now, and you feel now that you're you're able to you're able to actually make the changes that you want to make. Yeah, definitely. Um, but at the same time, I always feel like there's always even for us more to learn and more people to discover. Um, obviously, today we have social media, so it's very easy in a way to discover people. But the, you know, the base of the, the pyramid, actually, I don't like this metaphor, but the base is very strong. And if I need someone or I need something, I know that I can call Abe and he will be, you know, introducing me to someone else. Or I feel like there's a, a good kind of um, interconnectivity between our community um, within the creative uh, field. I guess, I guess the way that love has traditionally worked, there was the same kind of notion of a of a sort of, of a, of a sort of group of creative people who were very supportive of each other. I think Alistair, for example, Alistair's photos in, in the book, Alistair McClellan's photos in the book, um, super strong, his photos of London, the world after, the world, the, um, the world without us, you know, his photos of empty London. Um, incredible with his the kind of people that he loves to shoot sprinkled in amongst that and then there's all these other people who have been part of the love family like david sims and and tim walker's been part of the love family but but ben have you seen have you encountered in your years in fashion 10 years at another man as the editor there but have you have you seen anything like this have you felt anything like this thing that is happening now, this sense of, of sort of activist motivation that is happening now, creative activist motivation? Um, no, abs absolutely not. Um, or, you know, beyond my career in, in my life, uh, you know, this is, uh, 
No, it feels like something very, very new. It's, there's just a real feeling of people, you know, galvanizing people together. It's interesting just what, what Pierre was saying just then. It reminds me also about um, with the young designers in the book, um, I interviewed Harris Reed and, you know, he was talking about his, his year at, at college, Central St. Martins, kind of sub, you know, not even consciously have really created, um, you know, like he, he spoke about whenever he was talking about himself, you know, and he's, he's really become like, you know, a really, you know, important young talent in fashion, but really talking about the, the, those uh, alongside him in his year about not being this, I think he spoke about being no more kind of fashion sharks that idea of these lone kind of mm -hmm. uh, creatures really all coming together and looking out for each other, uh, sharing opportunities, bringing them on board for things. And I feel like that's a, a mood, a, a kind of a, something that's happening independently in lots of different areas, lots of different communities. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know, but that's a really powerful, really powerful thing. And that, that feels very new, I think. I think it's that, um, that, that competitiveness doesn't seem to be as rife, doesn't seem to be the fuel behind people working. There's, you know, it's about collaboration. And mm. Well, that is, that is a sort of battle, that was the battle cry of the last while before all of this happened, collaboration, not competition. That was also part of how fashion was beginning to, well, was addressing sustainability. Um, and, sustainability and it's collaboration, not, not competition. But what, what happens next, you think? Um, you, you know, you say this is not a fashion magazine right off the bat, and it's not. I don't know. It, it is some hybrid of things that we're familiar with and things that we haven't seen and things that we maybe saw in a dream or things that the older members of the community saw way back when in their, in their kind of views. But if this isn't, if this isn't a fashion magazine, um, what is fashion going forward then, do you think? When you, when, because you both work in, you, you technically still work in the fashion industry, so <laughs> what, what is fashion going forward in the light of everything that you've experienced um, in the last few months and also putting together this? this um, book, these books? Yeah, I think fashion's always been about more than just the pieces of clothing and the accessories. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the storefront, that's the, that's the window. Behind that, there's always been a much richer story going on. You know, fashion um, tells you so much about the culture, the time, politics the conversations going on that's always you know that's always kind of driven and been wired into, into it I think um I just think it's almost like that that kind of behind the scenes part has become has moved to the front right now and it's about it's about humanity you know I keep Pierre and I were talking earlier and about you know this this book we've created is really about humanity it's about, you know, it's about humans and how they connect together and all their stories. Um, 
I think that's, you know, that's always been there in the fashion conversation. It's just louder. Pierre, what do you do? You, what do you have to say about that? Hmm. I actually, I have to oh, agree with Ben. <laughs> I feel like it's, you know, it's just we're going, you know, we're looking further than the clothing, and and we're really trying to, you know, instill meaning and purpose into uh, what we wear and why we wear them, and how we can, you know how those you know clothes can reflect the world we live in i feel like this is even you know even looking at kai samai kai um cover i feel like this cover specifically says it all because obviously there is clothing and it's fashion and that young man marley looks quite fashionable but there is so much more that goes you know behind it you know even makes me think of the black panther in the u.s you know the style that he was wearing yes absolutely I think that photo was yeah. that photo was timeless in a strange way. That photo was completely timeless. It, That's its power, I think. Yeah, you know, it could have been. It's almost could have been. Sadly, could have been kind of fifty years ago with the yes. civil rights movement. Then, I there is there, that point is made is made by um, there were so many voices in the in the in the books, and I think that is interesting. You know, this I've felt that something fashion has to do going forward is con is is connect you know with people is is have conversations is it, 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 we've been talking about storytelling and fashion for a few years but these are stories you know this is the other the other the, i have this volume as well which is um the story with denise this woman on the cover tells her story about battling cancer um with um photographs by her son taken by her son and you know that's that maybe that was a story you would have read in a mag in a magazine at some point it, it, it's it's a it's a wonderful story and she's inspiring but there's just something about this context with all these other voices where you just you feel that this is how fashion is going to i i don't know assert any kind of relevance it has to be human you know it has to come down from that sort of billion dollar, you know, mass polluting kind of construction and be this something small, much smaller, I think. I think that's what these books, even though they're gorgeous and extravagant in their own way, are, are about this kind of new... And just being authentic, I feel, you know. Smaller, I feel like, yeah. yeah, I feel like it, being authentic is probably what we're aiming to do. You know, these stories are real, those are real people. And that's what we really wanted to highlight. Like Ben said, the word human, you know, sometimes many people forget that we're all humans. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. Humans with all our flaws, with all our, you know, amazingness. <laughs> but, uh, but in the end, we're all humans. And uh, that's, I think, what we, one of the things we wanted to highlight. You know, I think, Tim, what you were saying about, um, you know, fashion have been talking about, storytelling and you know and authenticity like you say Pierre. I, I kind of feel like maybe it's just me but those are kind of phrases we always used and were banded around a lot but maybe didn't really understand what that what that really meant and what it really looked like and I feel like that really crystallized in this moment what it meant to be authentic and 
what kind of stories we really wanted to tell. I think, um, like so many things, this moment has kind of really fast-tracked a lot of ideas that have been around uh, for a while. It's really put things in motion really quickly. Um, yeah, I think it really, it kind of really uh, consolidated what what those two things, authenticity storytelling, should be about. Yeah, you you quoted Lenin. Um, <laughs> yeah, not John Lennon. <laughs> Vladimir, um, what did you say? I can't find it. It's too this. It's it's buried in there somewhere. But uh, what sometimes remember it? You read it. Yeah, it's. Uh, let me find. It's a good quote. I basically said um, he said there are decades where nothing happens, and there are weeks when decade happens, and I said. Um, I don't know about you, but the past four months feel like centuries have happened. You know, I really feel like, um, I forgot where I read that. It suddenly came up just as I was sitting down to kind of write that letter. And it's one of the few things that made some sense to me during this whole time. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Well, it just feels like whole, whole periods can go by without really doing anything without really moving things forward and then whatever triggers it some you know and certainly this period has been you know a kind of a, a chain reaction of events it feels like we've we've kind of history sort of uh, leaped forward you know it's kind of fast so, forward, press fast forward i think in in the six months that the magazine has been produced in and it comes out august 3rd uh, yeah. And with magazine shops having obviously pre-stressed bookshelves to kind of put it on. Um, this is six months with, um, the, with the pandemic and with Black Lives Matter changing, changing so much, um, putting, you know, charging society in such, a, in such an incredible way. This is six months. You're bi. You're biannual. <laughs> so in another six months, what do you what do you imagine for your next for your next issue? I think things. You know, at the moment, the 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 world seems to kind of shed its skin and and change again week by week. You know, it's it's constantly evolving so quickly at the moment. Um, you know, it's it's really difficult to know. I think what I think all we can do, I just really believe in what we as, as a team, as a collective group have kind of put together, as well as in the book, but also internally, how we've come together and the structure of that, that whatever that future moment is, is I think we're, we will tackle that in the group we've put together now, that kind of collective intelligence and that collective team. Um, I feel like that's, def you know, that's, we're committed to that's how we will move forward. Who knows, magazine, you know, maybe a magazine can just be a film. I mean, we just don't, you know, we no idea what the crystal ball, what's in there in the next six months. It's going to be shattered. It's going to be shattered to smithereens. <laughs> but yeah, what do you, what would you like to see? Um, now you've, you've got this here as, a, as sort of a, Launchpad, in a way. What would you like to see happen um, in the next issue of Love? I think a continuation. I don't want to say 
to I don't I don't want to share too many ideas, but uh, I'm oh. already thinking about you know, what we could be doing to keep the momentum. And also, you know, to me, we've broken barriers with these two volumes. And um, like Ben said, it could be a film. It could be. I I feel like there's so so much freedom as now as to the format we can we can use to convey our ideas our ideals our philosophies and um and yeah i'm just kind of like thinking as well but i don't want to share too much <laughs> well you know this this was produced from a time of tragedy and turmoil really and um we could we could hope for a better times ahead but god knows if there are if there aren't you've got loads and loads of experience now <laughs> making a ma an amazing artifact in in the face of you know i rem i remain optimistic i think you know as traumatic and difficult as this whole period has been there's been amazing positives that have come out of it and that's what we want to focus on and to and to really move forward with you know there's a lot of kind of good has come out of this quite horrendous time well i would like to thank you both very much thank you ben thank you pierre thank you katie grand thank you murray healy and thank you paul flynn the uh, editors who are responsible for did i miss anyone now the editors who are responsible for um the new um issue of love I'm not calling it a magazine anymore. What am I going to the call book. it? Love, the book. Coming to a something near you soon. Something that's open near you soon. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, learning materials from BOF Education. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.